Well, today uh, I want to preach about uh, the idea that we are free to be free, um, that Christ has set us free and that therefore we are free to actually be free in him. Uh, and I, I was uh, I read an illustration earlier this week that said, you know, when we go into our garage suddenly, uh, and this has happened to us uh, in this house quite a bit over the last few years, when you go into your garage and you sort of burst in there and turn the lights on, it's often at those moments that you discover that you've got mice. Uh, when you burst in, turn the lights on, and all of a sudden you see the mice scattering around. Uh, you may not discover that if you just slowly make a bit of noise, open that door and the light from the hallway maybe creeps in. You know, the mice have time to scatter and, and get out of the way. And oftentimes, uh, in the same way, this is what happens in our heart. When something dramatic happens, when something quickly takes place, uh, we can discover that there are these mice in our heart. Uh, we can all of a sudden think, I never knew that was in there. I never knew that about me. Uh, it is often true when you offend somebody's mind. You know, it's, there's a saying that goes, if you offend the mind, you reveal the heart. You know, it's those moments when we're not prepared, when we're not put together, when all of a sudden we are caught off guard and we realize there's an anger there or there's a disappointment or there's remorse or sadness. Uh, we realize, hang on, I didn't know that was living in my heart. And I suppose this time can serve as that exact thing. Um, you know, so I wonder, what have you discovered about yourself during this time, during this pandemic, this lockdown? Uh, what is it in your heart that you thought uh, maybe was done and dealt with and gone? And now all of a sudden you're realizing these emotions and these different things are coming to the surface. For me, I have clearly discovered that I enjoy routine. Uh, I like having a rhythm to my week. I know that on these days I get this done and another day this happens. And by this time in the week, certain tasks are accomplished. Um, having seven people in our home and having a home office uh, doesn't lend itself to that kind of routine. So I'm missing that routine. The other thing that I have discovered as that light has been turned on in my own heart is that I love being free uh, and not just free in the sense that I can go about my way and, and do things, but I love the idea in my mind that there is a uh, endless opportunities in the future that I'm free to dream and to, uh, to discover and to, to pray and, and see what God could do, that I'm free to imagine all of these things for the future. Um, and at the moment, though I am functionally free, I mean, we can still drive, uh, we can still go and do certain tasks around the place. Uh, we have quite a level of freedom uh, compared to other people in the world. I find that in me, this idea that, I, that there's not this freedom in a larger sense, has unsettled me. And so I'm feeling this different thing. So all week, uh, and, and even to the end of last week, I've just had this scripture going over and over in my mind, uh, which we're going to get into today later on. But it is, um, you know, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. And I think for me, this has been a bit of a medicine for my own heart. See, we're going to look today at the idea that Christ wants us to be free. 
So we've got to look at what does that mean and what doesn't that mean? You know, what it does mean, we're going to explore in a moment. Uh, but clearly what it doesn't mean is that we are free from any stress, uh, that we are free from any bad situation. Um, you know, you only have to read through the Bible for a, a couple of minutes to discover. Uh, even in Luke chapter 21, um, you know, we see Jesus talking about the trouble that people will endure as they follow him, as they trust in God, that uh, they will endure hardships and troubles and be handed over to authorities and all the things that the disciples were going to face as they followed him. So clearly this freedom isn't a endless external freedom, although it can contain that at times. Clearly this freedom is an internal freedom so that no matter what is happening externally to you, you can remain internally free. Uh, then I was thinking about really the, the difference we've got between Satan and God. Satan, his message really is that he can give you freedom. That if you would just follow him and indulge in the flesh, if you would just indulge in all of the things that you, you want carnally, that you'll be truly free. Break away from God's rules. Break away from the wisdom of the scriptures and you can be truly free. That really is the satanic prosperity message. Uh, however, we have Jesus that he actually invites us in to a death of sorts. Jesus invites us to die to ourselves, to die to our desires, to die to the things that we, we want in our flesh in the hope that we will receive true and everlasting freedom. And that's the freedom that Christ uh, died to give us, that he wants to give us, that he longs for us to truly experience in our heart. And I believe that once we have that freedom, everything else will look like a cheap second. Uh, that we don't, um, we don't actually resist sin by trying to resist sin. No, what we do is we resist sin by enjoying the freedom that we have in God, that we are so free in our relationship with God, that we have so much joy in Him. As I read before, the Westminster Catechism says that the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Now, if we're so busy enjoying God, we don't have that temptation to sin because we're already being completely fulfilled by God. And that's something really important for us uh, to consider. So let's turn to Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. None of that was in my notes, by the way. You got that for free. Um, Galatians chapter 5, verse 1 says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. And so first of all, what we've got here is Christ's intention. And I think it's important for us to understand not just what Christ has done, but his intention for us. And it's very, very clear and self-explanatory. It was for freedom that Christ has set you and I free. Uh, the other thing we see there is that it says, Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. So the Bible is giving us two options. On one hand, we can experience the freedom that Christ has died to give us. 
and then we're encouraged to stand firm in that freedom, or we can be given to a yoke of slavery and bondage again. We're not given a plethora of choices. We're not given endless possibilities. We're given two. You can either walk in freedom or you can walk in bondage. And I know that for us, sometimes we're tempted to walk in the ways of bondage again. It actually takes effort to stand firm in this freedom that Christ has given us. Uh, There's a wonderful illustration, a really simple illustration uh, that when there is a current in the in say in the ocean and there there is a boat in the ocean the boat is going to drift in the direction of that current and so you don't stay where you are passively it actually takes effort either that boat has to be anchored on the ground or the uh, the engine has to be the motor has to be running and and has to be pushing it against the current see the, the current of this world And the way our human nature works is that we are constantly pulled towards bondage. We are constantly pulled towards slavery. And if we don't actively stand firm, uh, if we don't remind ourselves of what the scripture says, if we don't remind ourselves of the freedom we have in Christ, what's going to naturally happen? Just like a boat will go with the current, we will drift towards bondage and slavery and we will move away from the freedom we actually have in Christ. So the scripture here is showing us that we often want the path of least resistance. You know, we just think it's one and done. Uh, You know, like I, I became a Christian, I gave my life to Christ and then some people say, you know, it just didn't work for me. Uh, You know, I did that and it didn't work. But we actually have a part to play, uh, not for our salvation, that's a separate issue, but for our functional freedom. See, there's a difference between being uh, legally free and functionally free. There's a very big difference. We are legally free in Christ and we cannot add a single thing to that freedom. We can't add to our salvation at all, but we do have to stand firm and to be, um, to be free in the functionality of our life. So, we need to stand fast. We need to stand firm. This means that it actually takes effort. It actually takes discipline to remain in the freedom. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, if you live with other people, uh, if you are quarantined with other people right now, I can promise you that it is taking effort. It is taking uh, intentionality to remain free in your heart, to not be taken wherever uh, the chaos of the day wants to take us. We must remain steadfast. That means that we need a routine that constantly anchors us back to the freedom we have in God. Uh, And we don't just do that by enjoying ourselves. We do that by coming back to his word. Uh, We do that by worshipping, actually putting on worship that can bypass our thinking and connect our spirits directly to God. Because sometimes we can be bound in our own thoughts and what we need is for God just to come in and bring that freedom. So we need to actually make an effort to do that. Um, You know, I remember hearing a story when I was younger Uh, And I have no idea if it's true or untrue, but for the sake of this preach, it fits. So I'm going to run with it. 
Uh, I remember hearing the story of a, a lion uh, and, and this lion was born into captivity. Uh, this, this lion was raised in captivity and would often be in cages. You know, in the end, uh, they decided that at a certain age, they wanted to release this lion back into uh, the wild, you know, so that it could truly be free. And so they, they took this lion in the cage that it had become accustomed to. Uh, the, the lion went off and they, they drove out into the wilderness to, to set this lion free. They opened the doors and the lion refused to leave. You know, this lion had become so accustomed to the, the bondage, to the, 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 um, the confines of this cage, that it didn't actually want to go out the doors. It had become comfortable actually being in bondage. And I thought that's actually such a great picture of the idea that for many Christians, well, actually for every Christian, Christ has set us free. Every Christian is free in Christ. Those doors have been flung open at great cost. Those doors were opened at the cost of Christ's very blood, his life given for us. And so we are free. We are free in God. And yet, functionally, many Christians aren't free. Many Christians are still looking for something to add to their faith in order that they might truly be free. And that really is the deception of the devil that we need something more than Christ. You know, like, yeah, you're free, that's great, but you need something more. Uh, whereas actually what we need to do now is walk in the freedom that Christ has given us. And that's what Paul is stay, saying here. He is saying, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore. Like, it takes effort to stand. It takes effort to remain standing. You know, right now I am preaching to you. And I would hazard a guess that most of you are either in bed or seated on the couch. Uh, there wouldn't be many who would be standing with me. Um, you know, it takes effort to stand. It takes effort to continue. And that's what we are to do in our faith. Let's read from verse 2. Paul says, Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision. Now, we, we got there very quickly. We'll explain that in a moment. If you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. Now, what's happening here? Why did we have to go there so quickly and so early on a Sunday morning? See, what was happening is there were teachers at that time. Uh, there, there were these new churches forming and growing, this movement that Christ started. He died to... To, uh, to give life to people and to initiate the church until his, his return. But the church, like any church, is a broken church and people are, uh, are wandering into error. And then other people come in and try to add what they really want for the church. And so what we found is that the Jewish teachers were sort of half accepting these, these now Jesus Christians. And they were saying, look, you can still believe in Jesus. But what we really need for you to do is to accept our laws of circumcision. And so they were saying, yes, you can believe in Jesus, but you must be circumcised. And this confused the Galatian church because we have a tendency to feel like Christ isn't enough. We have a tendency as church moves along to say, all right, that's great. Uh, you know, it can't be as simple as just enjoy bringing glory to God and enjoying him forever. 
You know, we want to complicate things. We want to make things more, more complicated than they actually need to be. But uh, these, these Jewish teachers were trying to get the Galatian church uh, to, to move away from what was central to Christianity. And so Paul is teaching them here. He says, if you even accept this one thing, if you want to add one simple work to your salvation, then Christ has no benefit to you whatsoever. You have lost all of the advantage of having Christ in your life. Quite a heavy teaching. See, they had a Jesus and mentality. They had a Jesus and obedience salvation. That's what they thought it was. Jesus plus obedience equals salvation. And Paul is saying that's not the case. Uh, they, they even had this idea that Jesus plus, you know, just one law. Uh, the Jewish teachers had many, many, many laws. Uh, and they, they thought, look, that maybe that's too much. Just this one law. Jesus plus one law equals salvation. And I want to say to you today, if you are adding anything to your hope of salvation other than Christ, then you may very well not be saved. See, we trust in Christ alone, only Him and nothing else for our salvation. For us to add anything is to say that the sacrifice of the Savior of the world was not sufficient. It wasn't enough. No, we need more than that. And that is an offense to God. And so we need to realize that we have an advantage, as Paul says here, that those who believe in Christ and Christ alone for their salvation, we have an advantage. We can actually have freedom in our heart because we're not looking for something else to add to our salvation. So that means that in Christ, we have this advantage that we are saved by grace, that Jesus died for the ungodly so that we could be fully accepted by the Father because of Christ and not because of our performance. You know, imagine that. What does it feel like to be fully accepted by the Father because of Christ? I don't know about you, but if, if I were to believe that, that would bring about such a freedom in my heart that I, I could detach myself from all the other things in this world that want to make us feel bound. That's an internal freedom. Let's read from verse 3 to 6. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ. Very uh, interesting language he is using. The, the, the very process of circumcision, to be severed. Um, he is saying, you want to sever yourself? Then you are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly await for the hope of righteousness. You know, really what we have there in verse 5, before we get to, to what well, verse 6 says, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. See, verse 5 really is a, uh, a mantra for us to, to realize that for the rest of our life, the thing that is going to enable us and empower us to remain standing 
in the truth that it is Christ alone who has saved us. It is Christ alone who makes us free in every way. The thing that is going to remind us every time when our heart drifts towards disobedience, when our heart drifts towards bondage and slavery again, we are to be reminded that it is for through through the Spirit, not through our works, but through the Spirit. That means that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit needs to enable us. We can't do it ourselves. Through the Spirit and by faith, it says. Through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. See, the Galatian church were trying to attain righteousness, right standing with God. And whether you know it or not, this is what your soul desperately craves. You are craving right standing with God. The Bible says that he has placed eternity in the heart of man. You know, there is something in us that just wants to be right before God. We want to be, we want God to look at us and to say, I am well pleased with you. Enter into my glory on that final day. We so desperately want that. But what this says is, is that we are still eagerly awaiting the hope of righteousness. That means that right now, the Spirit needs to remind us in faith that that is something that we can have hope for. That is something that we have now in part. And yet functionally, we go through our lives, maybe like that lion, still living in the cage, still feeling like, God, am I really free? Have I really got your acceptance? God, am I really enough? And the answer is no, you are not enough. I am not enough. None of us are enough, but Christ is enough. So don't listen to the lies of the likes of Oprah Winfrey, who would say to you, look inside yourself. You are enough. You are beautiful. You are excellent beyond all description and all goodness and grace and glory lives in you. No, it doesn't. Christ lives in you and he alone is your hope of glory. Where on earth was I? Um, you know, we, we need to realize that freedom that only lasts as long as your optimism is fleeting at best. However, freedom that is based on faith in God is unwavering. If you are only feeling free whenever you hear some lunatic yelling at you on a camera, uh, if you only feel free when you are pumped up by some, you know, external stimulation such as lights and smoke machines and you've got to go back into those environments to feel free then you are bound more than anyone else if you are looking for something externally to pick you up then you're not free you are riding this carousel of emotion all the time no we we don't hitch our freedom to the circumstances and the events of this world we hitch our freedom to christ and so long as christ remains free we remain free you know, too many of you are riding the circumstances of life. Too often I do the same thing and we, we're looking to our circumstances to make us feel okay. And yet Christ himself is sufficient and he is with us. Um, so I would ask you this morning, are you growing more or less internally free? Which direction are you headed as a part of you becoming a disciple of Christ, as a part of you learning to obey the commands of Christ, are you becoming more and more free?
or more and more bound? Is Christ healing your heart or are you trying to add things and supplement your Christianity with external stuff that only ends up confusing you and making you bound? See, Paul says that in Christ, we can have an advantage. And that advantage is that we only look to Christ for our freedom and nothing else. And that's where we can be truly free. You know, I want you to, to finish this sentence in your, in your mind. Uh, maybe if no one's around, you can finish it out loud. Or maybe you need to take some time uh, to think about your answer because you can't quite get that answer now. You know, ask yourself, I will be completely free when? What are you and I still waiting for? You know, I, I catch myself every now and again waiting for that day that the kids are out of the home and I can be a little bit more truly free. Um, you know, and yet I also don't want to rush the process because I know that as that day comes, then I'm closer to death. So that's a challenge too. I'm writing this in between. So then I remind my heart that I'm not going to be truly free when the kids are gone. There'll just be another problem. Uh, not that my kids are problems. Uh, they're wonderful and they could end the stream right now uh, because that's what Jordan's doing over there. His job is to run the stream, you know, but we've got to realize we're not looking to another person to make us free. I can't look to Michelle to make me free. I can't look to my kids to make me free. In that sense, they become little gods to me because I'm looking to them to make me free. And that stops me from loving them as I should, as broken individuals who themselves need God. You know, we can't look to our partners, to our kids, to our employers, to our government, to our church, to our pastor, to anyone else. We can't have an allegiance to any of those people. We need to be pointed to God so that we can be truly free. You know, as I close now, um, you know, we can, I want you to consider that when Jesus died on the cross, uh, when he was lifted up on that cross, next to him were two thieves, both equally guilty. Both of these thieves were, were guilty. Both of them were up there because of their sin. And yet Christ, Christ hung for the sins of the world. And one thief turned to Christ and said, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And on that day, Jesus promised him that you will be with me in the kingdom of God. And the other thief criticized him. And, and said, Jesus, why don't you just save me externally if you really are the king of this great kingdom? You know, get yourself down off that cross and while you're at it, rescue me as well. And he, uh, he missed out on the freedom that he could have had. See, both of those thieves had equal proximity to Christ. Both of those thieves had equal opportunity to step into freedom as Christ defined freedom. One thief, through the Spirit and by faith, decided to place his hope for righteousness fully on Christ. And then he externally died. See, he had separated his freedom from what was externally going to happen. And yet the other thief could only receive that freedom if Jesus would fix his circumstances externally. All too often, you and I do the same thing. 
And I think when we're looking at things from the position of our flesh, it makes sense. We want liberation from the bondage we often feel. We want this freedom. And yet Christ can give you a freedom that is so profound internally and that you can experience this faith that no matter what happens to you externally, you can receive this freedom. And so I want to encourage you today that real freedom doesn't ride the waves of this world. It doesn't um, feel good when things are going well and feel bad when things are not. Real freedom sees Christ. We look to Jesus who is the hope who is our salvation, who is our Lord, that Jesus Christ delivers us from every single bondage. We look to him and we receive freedom and we receive life. So where are you and I looking for freedom today? Are we looking to our circumstances? Are we longing for the day that something would change? And you know what? I would love to see so many people's circumstances change. There's nothing more heartbreaking when somebody is struggling in in a way that it seems like there's no out. Um, And yet Christ is offering you freedom. You know, in the past, there have been many martyrs. I think of uh, the stoning of Stephen, uh, where he seems to have some kind of peace, even though he's being stoned to death. It is possible that the Spirit can enable us in such a way to have this freedom and this peace. So you truly are free to be free if you will humble yourself, die to self, uh, confess your sin, not walk in that bondage, but accept that we have a part to play in standing in this freedom. We're going to close in prayer and then we will close for the morning. God, we just, uh, God, I just want to confess straight away, God, that we need your freedom. Lord, too often our hearts look to something else to bring us this freedom. And yet we have everything we need in Christ. Holy Spirit, I just pray right now that for everybody listening to this message and hearing your word preached, Holy Spirit, would you come and convince us that your word is true? Would you convince us of our absolute desperate need for you? God, we can't do this of ourselves. Lord, we can't just pick ourselves up by our bootstraps and believe. We can't even believe without you. God, we are utterly desperate for the Holy Spirit to enable us to believe in faith. So God, this morning, we surrender it all to you. And we know that no matter how we emotionally feel, we are to remind ourselves that we are free in Christ because of your word. Help us to believe it. Help us to live in a functional freedom, even though we have this legal freedom. Help us to live functionally free. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a fantastic day. I just want to encourage you to be spiritually stubborn and don't just ride our emotions when we feel bound. Let's remind ourselves that we are free, free in Christ. Uh, and nothing can take that away from us. God bless you guys. Uh, Let's continue to reach out to each other, continue to interact, uh, continue to use our freedom to love one another in a beautiful way. Uh, We are not free to sin. We are free to love one another and bring glory to God. God bless you guys. Have a fantastic day and we will hang out in person very, very soon. God bless you.